With Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody. You are tuned to Made the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in Music Biz Talk. I am Scott, your host and a man who is currently doomsday prepping for uh, not not for war with North Korea, but for a road trip while I'm taking my son to college next week. Yes, I'm that old. I'm that old. I am. It's true. We're going to college and uh, I may stay there. I may stay there because, man, college was fun. College was friggin' fun, man. I, I just, uh, I'm so jealous. You know, I, I'm going through a lot of emotions right now, I got to say. I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of, of, of my son and that, that period in life. And I'm going to, and I'm all, you know, I'm definitely going to miss him and definitely, you know, uh, that, you know, that's all difficult and everything. And, um, you know, but I'm happy for him at the same time. So it's, uh, it's quite a, it's an emotional roller coaster being a, being a dad and I'll, I'll be on the road uh, next week. So I won't be doing this show actually. So, um, good thing you tuned into this big episode with us in the booth down at Intertalk central and lovely scenic Miramar Air Force Base area, California, is Cedric the Mixer. How's it going, Cedric? It's going great. Yeah. Going great. You know, yep. I just finished college like, I think a couple months ago. It's been a couple months now. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm going You're like, to... <laughs> no, I'm going And to how was that? How was that period of life for you? Uh, you're, you're, you're just coming out of that. Was that still rocking for you or good? Was it good? I don't know. I mean, I can't compare it to other people's college experiences. I think is, um, you know, everyone keeps saying like, oh, when you're in, when you get to high school, it gets better. It's going to be the best four years. When you get to college, it's going to be the best four years. <laughs> I think you're like, what? Yeah. I think at, at no matter what period of time you're at, you're going to meet some dumbasses. And according to this show, <laughs> even when you grow up <laughs> in the real world, still, <laughs> the dumbasses just get bigger. <laughs> That is true. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of wisdom there. I got to say yeah. college just prepares, prepares you for, um, you know, I, I was, I was telling my son, I said, you know, if you're ever asked to do a group project in college, I go, you can just assume that nobody else in the group gives a crap oh, yeah. and that you're going to, and you're going to be doing everything. Oh yeah. I said, and I said, and then Definitely. I go that, that will continue all the way through all of your adult life. Yep. D- just so you know, I don't yeah. know what all these other people do, but that's, that's what uh, it's always been that way for me. It's oh, just yeah. like, Nobody else, everybody else is, oh, I got personal circumstances, whatever. And you're like, it's due Monday. What the hell? <laughs> Why are you telling me this Sunday night, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You know, college is going to be great. My, my son's going to dig it. And oh, we're, yeah. no, he'll have fun. He'll, he'll grow up a lot. He'll yeah, a absolutely. Lot. You learn a lot. Like a, like a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not even the school part. Realizing you know, like, this is the real world, you know? It doesn't. It is. It doesn't always go it according is. to plan, and sometimes you need you need PR people to clean it up. Oh. Oh, they and that's that's a good see that's a good segue into what we're <laughs> talking about you. today. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Well, the, this you're tuned into episode 62 of the big show, and um, I call this episode "What PR Isn't." Um, you know, there are a few things in life that are as misunderstood um, as public relations. Um, as a, a, a public relations practitioner for you know my entire career. Um, 
you know, I can, I can definitely vouch for this. Very few people really understand and agree on what PR really is. Um, it's sometimes called spin. It's sometimes called schmoozing. There's other kind of polite variations of BS that people throw around there. But what I want to, you know, talk about on this show today is, you know, how this extraordinarily powerful marketing arrow really is going to make your marketing quiver complete. We're going to tackle some of the misconceptions around PR that exists, and we're going to show you why PR, uh, why you know, why public relations is something you need to know about, you need to use, and you need to master um, in the very much non-trusting consumer world of 2017 and beyond. Of course, we're also going to dig into who's winning and losing this week, so I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, let's dig right into what PR isn't. What inspired this episode is um, I had a prospect contact me this week. And they said, oh, we're really looking for somebody to help tell our story. We're really looking for somebody with some some personal relationships at this and this publication. You know, somebody that's that's really, you know, um, you know, some somebody that that's just recently like been out buying drinks for this these reporters and and just schmoozes them all the time and all these kind of things. And we're really looking for somebody, you know, who you know, who's on a first name basis with these reporters and that kind of thing. And so that's gonna kind of buy us access for our story. So I kind of went, I went, well, that's awful. And I even, I said this to him, even they're a prospect. I said, so that isn't even close to the definition of public relations. And then they were really quiet. And I said, I go, so I said, you guys really need to listen to my podcast. I said, you really need to listen to it because you don't have a friggin' clue what the fuck you're talking about. I got to tell you. And PR isn't any, anywhere close to that. Okay. And it angers me a little bit that people think that's what PR is because I have a master's degree in corporate communications, right? I went to the University of Missouri School of Journalism and specialized in public relations and, and communications. If I was going to buy drinks, all I need is a visa card with a credit limit. Okay. Um, public relations is not a, an expense account. It is not, um, you know, going to, going to parties and buying drinks for reporters, don't ever say that. It makes you look stupid and it's going to piss off whatever public relations practitioner you're talking to in the room. So it, I, I just want to, I want to hit a couple of top line things that PR isn't, and then we'll get into kind of what it is. So we, we understand that it's not buying drinks for reporters or schmoozing them. If that's your understanding of public relations, you're an idiot. You're an idiot and need to, you need to pop up your understanding of what it is you're even talking about, especially if you're in the process of hiring a PR firm or a public relations person to do the job for you, because you're going to get exactly back what you put out there and you need to have some education about yourself. I got to say, number two, public relations is not about lying or deception of any kind ever, despite what you see in the movies, despite what you see Real public relations isn't about lying. It isn't about, um, you know, sitting down and saying, well, how do we, how do we spend this, Scott? And blah, blah, blah. I don't lie in business ever for anyone at any time. Not just because it's wrong. It is wrong, but because it's stupid. I don't lie because um, in this transparent world that you live in, it's going to boomerang back at you. You know, and it's going to be just, just like, you know, you, you know, when you, when you're, when you're little and you break something and you lie to your parents about it, wasn't me. I wasn't here. Wasn't me. They know it was you. They know it was you already. All right. So, uh, so lying about it doesn't help you. 
It doesn't, it doesn't help you and it doesn't make you feel good either, you know, cause now you've got this, this weight on you and this kind of thing. Public relations is sometimes called the conscience of an organization. It is the, it is the polar opposite of what everybody thinks is in terms of lying and deception. There are no good practitioners of public relations who lie and deceive. It is actually against one of the 13 uh, pillars of the code of ethics of the profession. And if you do it, you can get kicked out of the profession. So it is not cool, right? So I just want to make sure everybody's really clear on that. And, 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 and all the variations of deception that come in there where people say, oh, Scott, you're going to spin this. You're going to, you know, make them focus on not the bad stuff, but the good stuff. I always say, let's not do the bad stuff. Let's not be stupid. I mean, let's, let's, let's be in a room and let's agree together not to do stupid things that require people to have to cover them up. I'm a fan of that approach. That's the approach that I think wins, by the way. And I'm good in those kind of rooms too, because if it is stupid, believe it, you're going to hear it, right? You're going to hear it right from me right there, you know, and your, your business card title does not matter to me in that conversation at all. Stupid is stupid. Okay. And, and you, if you're, if you're counsel for a client, you need to counsel them because when we get to the losing section, the, the winning and losing section coming up here, I'm going to show you some people who kept their mouths shut in the room and now they're paying the price and now they're paying the price because they're doing dumb stuff, right? It's out there. So once again, pillar number two, lying deception of any kind is not PR is not PR. If your PR people say, well, we should lie, we should deceive, fire them immediately. You don't want anybody like that in, you know, I sat in a crisis communication thing once and I tell this story. It, it literally blew me out of my chair that this PR practitioner said, well, one of the first things that you want to do in any crisis is go up to the website and what you, and you want to, you want to remove any, um, uh, you know, incriminating evidence that's on the website of whatever this, this crisis was. You want to delete those pages and delete your, your accounts and delete, delete. I I just, I, I put, I literally put my head in my hands and I raised my hand and I was like, I'm sorry, but what, what was that? You know, there is, if there, if there was such a thing in malpractice and PR, you just heard it, ladies and gentlemen, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, why is it dumb, Scott? You know, why is it dumb? Because in 2017 kids, there are people, especially when you're in a crisis situation and what do they do? They take pictures of what? They take pictures of your website. They have screen captures of your Twitter feeds. They have all these kind of things. Why do they have them? Because they're praying that you're going to delete something. They are sitting there praying that you're going that you that you're going to be the the person that decides to delete something. And then you want to look guilty? Well, you know, nothing makes you look guiltier than when you get that nice side by side comparison of what used to be in your in your Twitter account and what's in it now. Nothing, nothing makes you look stupider or, you know, nothing, nothing makes you look worse than that. So don't ever do that. You know, uh, I actually talked to that PR person after that presentation and I said, um, I I said, you, you and I need to talk. I said, you can't be out here educating people, you know, supposedly educating people and giving this kind of horrific advice. I said, this is bad for PR when you do this kind of stuff and you, perpetuate these ideas that our profession can be relied on to be some sort of engine of deception that, you know, companies are going to rely on. Um, 
There's a lot more of us that are doing it right than doing that stuff wrong, but there's still a few, man. And man, that just, it just, that shook me to my, to the core when I heard that. I couldn't believe I was sitting in the room for that. So anyway, just saying. What PR isn't, it's not just about media coverage. It's about outcomes. You know, um, the uh, PRSA just gave away its Silver Anvil Awards, some of the uh, awards they give away for some of the, the best campaigns. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to, read something that came out of one of the campaigns that I really liked. It was actually, a, it was a nasal spray uh, campaign that, that Ketchum, uh, the big PR firm did. But I like what they said here. They said, when it comes to, um, when it comes to activation, you know, sometimes educational and background meetings are just as valuable as, as, as actual media coverage. This is very, very true. Especially when you're meeting with, if you're a tech company and you're meeting with analysts, and some people are like, well, what do we get for that meeting with the analysts? These kind of things can be really important. You know, uh, PR is a lot of things these days and media coverage is a piece of it. It's definitely a channel. It's definitely a channel that we use. It's a channel that we use. Now, why do we use it? We use it for trust, right? We know that nine out of 10 people don't trust a thing that any business says, according to the latest Pew research. So, you know, if you're going to, I mean, you can count on maybe one of one in 10 of your audience believing something that you say, but you know, the, the, the truth curve doesn't look good for your business, right? But with PR, you can increase that to about six people. Now with something that's coming through the media, so about six in 10 people, you know, will according to the latest Pew studies and these things vary all the time, but, but, um, you know, you get more people believe in your stuff, you know, and cause, and, and I think it's really important to put that out there. Um, media coverage itself is not a celebration. It's the outcome from media coverage that we're looking for. We're looking for the trust. We're looking for the relationships. So let's, so let's get to it then. So those are the three things that PR isn't. I don't ever want to hear anybody listen to my show. Think that PR is buying drinks for a reporter and schmoozing them. I will punch you. If I hear you say that number two, it is not lying or deception of any kind ever, 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 ever. And number three, it is not about just media coverage. It's about the outcomes. So what is it? Now, PRSA, which is the um, kind of the body for our profession, the Public Relations Society of America. By the way, you are listening to somebody who is accredited by that organization and has been for almost 20 years now. Um, you know, the accreditation is really, really important. Those three letters after my name, that stands for accredited in public relations. Only 5% of the PR profession is accredited. I think everybody should be, I think it should be a requirement because PR has power beyond anything I can share with you. It has some serious, serious power behind it. But PRSA, Public Relations Society of America, says public relations is a strategic communication process that builds mutually beneficial relationships between organizations and their publics or audiences. Um, the word publics isn't always understood Um uh, because people are like, well, there is the public, you know, like the general public, but then how do you plural, you know, how do you make that plural in the, in, in PR, um, there's not just one general public, right? There are many publics. Uh, there you go. But I think a, a way people better understand the word publics, just don't get hung up on that word. Um, audiences is a good way to say it. You know, your target audiences. Let's say you're going after musicians. Let's say you're going after musicians' wives. Let's say, you, and why not go after musicians' wives? They're on the road all the time. You know, they're not going to know. You know, that's what I'm saying. But, you know, that's what PR is. It's a strategic 
communication process that builds mutually beneficial relationships between organizations and the audiences they're trying to reach. Why do we use this definition? Why is it so important? Because it's got the S word in there. It's got strategic. There's always strategy. That's what I went to all that school for. That's why I read psychology, you know, psychology today magazine. That's why I, um, you know, that strategy piece is really, really important. And we are talking about the human mind. So you better be good, you know, at, at figuring out how the human mind works. If you're going to be good at this stuff strategy, you know, it's a, it's a process, right? It means it's like a circle. It, uh, you know, it starts and it stops and then it starts again and it's a process. Mutually beneficial relationships. This is really important, especially the mutually is really important because sales organizations are like, well, we got the sale and we're off and running, that kind of thing. PR is like, no, we don't want one sale. We want to keep them on the carousel. We want to keep them on the carousel. We want mutually beneficial relationships for a lifetime between the organization and its audiences. This is a very uh, 2017 sort of view of, of, of marketing communications is how do we keep the relationship? How do we keep the relationship? Very, very, very important stuff, folks, to understand what PR is really. You know, and I think that things that do us a little bit disservice is the fact that there are a bunch of movies and TV shows that make PR seem like it's something else based on sort of the tactical understanding of somebody's job. But just so everyone listening to this show knows is that it's much more than that. And when you allow it to be much more than that, you can allow it to do so much more for you and your company. It's so important. And you are tuned to May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader on Music Biz Talk. Come on back. We're going to talk about all those people who weren't quiet in the meeting and who's winning and losing coming up next. We'll see you in a few. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release, and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. The Moyer Entertainment Group, in conjunction with Ableton, Taylor Guitars, and TRX Symbols, is keeping 
music in our local schools and presenting local talent to the world through the Temecula Valley Music Awards. Submissions for entry into the TVMA 2017 season are now open in all genres, including a youth category for artists under 18 for the October 7th Star Studded Awards Show, where 100% of the proceeds go towards supporting local music education in the Temecula Valley. Details, tvmawards.org. May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody. You are so friggin' smart because you are tuned back to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader on Music Biz Talk. I'm Scott, your host. We're talking about what PR is not today, and uh, Cedric is here with me, and we were just talking off the air. What, what was your question again, Cedric? You know, I like, I like to call the, the internet age is like a huge disruptor in, sure. in society. Yeah. I like to call it like before the internet time and after the internet time. But yep. after internet time, right, everyone has access to all this information. Is it now even more important for companies to be honest with, with their customers, even more so than before? I think so. I think people are thirsty for the truth. I think you see that, um, you know, pe- people are, th- are thirsty for the truth. You know, I mean, the, the idea of, of having these, um, you know, pre-prepared statements and, and BS and all this kind of things that, you know, we sort of came up with, I guess, you know, uh, it, I, I think that's, that's going away. I mean, I mean, I mean look, at, look at the White House, the United States of America. I mean, you have the President of the United States tweeting some, some crazy crap, you know, just right out of his own fingers, you know, and communicating in, in a more direct fashion with the American people than I think has ever been allowed to happen in the, in the history of the country. Um, you know, and, and so you take that as an example and you look, that sort of gives permission, I think, for some of the most conservative organizations on the planet to say, well, I think we can be real too. Yeah. We can, we can, we can be real too. I, I think, um, I think the age of being real is here. Um, I don't think it could be here, get here any sooner, you know, soon enough. Cause, uh, cause, uh, that's, that's the way I practice. I've, I've always practiced in, in marketing. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of BS. I don't think it works. And speaking of, let's dig into who's winning and losing this week. Well, we got to start off with, um, with this story that came out. Male cosmetics counters could hit department stores in five years, says L'Oreal. They are planning to do male makeup counters at uh, in L'Oreal. Um, they say it's no longer a taboo for the selfie generation. They say that demand for makeup among men is growing fast. Wow. So this could be a, a reality. Um, they say taboos are changing and makeup's becoming more accepted for men in the selfie generation. Hmm. I'm going to put that in losing. I'm going to say, I'm going to say losing because, uh, the, well, I don't know. That just sounds, that, that sounds terrible to me. That sounds, I mean, one, one side of things, if there really is that much demand, then okay. You're just being a marketing organization. You're just kind of doing this. But if you're just looking for new ways to sell the same old stuff to a different audience, that kind of thing, and start trying to create a, create a trend that doesn't exist, um, you know, I guess I think it all comes back to the research on that. You know, how how real is that? You know, 
Uh, we'll have to see. I don't know. They say in five years, there's going to be make a male cosmetics counters in department stores. Here's a better question. In five years, will there be department stores? Uh, the retail uh, curve that I've seen really seems like there's not even going to be any department stores to have a makeup counter in um, because they're all going out of business at a pretty record pace. Um, as we all start to buy things, um, you know, from in the Internet of Things sort of thing. So I'm going to put that in losing just because it's I don't know. I want to. Number two, uh, let's talk about SoundCloud for a second. So SoundCloud you know, been having some financial problems. Uh, as of today, SoundCloud has, has been kind of saved or a stay of execution because some emergency funding came into the company and the CEO has stepped aside. So the struggling music service um, is really having trouble staying afloat. And and CEO um, uh, Alex Loon will, will uh, step aside, although he'll remain chairman, as the former Vimeo CEO, Kerry Trainer replaces him, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then they dropped in a Series F funding round of $169.5 million. Now, this is following SoundCloud laying off 40% of its staff last month with 173 uh, employees departing in an effort to cut costs. I think we were talking a little bit off the air, um, but I think here, here, no matter what your business is, you know, you must be able to sort of spend um spend appropriately for what your business is. And from things that I've seen at SoundCloud, it doesn't seem like that they spend money appropriately. And I think if I was an investor in the company, I'd be really uh, afraid of that. I'd be really afraid of, of what they're, what they're trying to do and, and uh, you know, what they're, what they're doing, especially at that, you know, the, the burn rate that they're at and, and those kind of things. And, and I think that, um, I don't know, I'm not an insider on it, but I think we got to put that in uh, and certainly in losing or maybe temporarily winning because they got the emergency funding. But anyway, SoundCloud is definitely something we should continue to watch uh, in the music space. Amazon Prime is winning. Good Lord. So Amazon Prime will be in more than half of U.S. households. That's 150 million uh, people's households by the end of this year. Wow. So the, the Prime program, you know, will be in 50% of American homes before the year is over. That is unreal. Absolutely unreal. They have the Prime Day and they have all these kind of things. You know, and as Amazon continues to grow its offerings within Prime, such as Prime Now, Prime Pantry, Prime Video, Prime Music, the membership is looking more and more appealing to consumers. Uh, Got to say, I'm an Amazon Prime uh, member. It is pretty cool to get stuff fast. Uh, it is pretty cool. The video side of it, I don't use as much because I have Apple TV and iTunes, and I kind of am a little more on that side of it than uh, than more the Amazon side. But I'm sure it's fine. Obviously, I'm sure it's fine. So, But um, I think no matter... No matter how you cut this thing, Amazon Prime is winning, man. Half of U.S. households and growing. Um, and again, you, know, you continue to look at our our uh, traditional brick and mortar retail curve. Um, you know, I, I was recently at the uh, Summer Nam Trade Show, and I noticed there were buyers there from Amazon. You know, actual you know buyers, you know, from Amazon themselves. And you know, they're they've been Nam members for a good long time, but they, you know, you rarely see them running around. But um, they, they were there and one of my clients was um, was meeting with them and said, hey, that's, you know, that's like 70% of our deals are going through Amazon, uh, you know, you, you know, Amazon.com. So uh, that's a big, I mean, that's a big shift. That's a big percentage of your, big percentage of your sales that are, are, you know, going to kind of one quote unquote dealer. 
you know, that kind of thing. So it's definitely something that, you know, impacts, you know, all levels of our economy. It certainly is impacting that retail curve that we always talk about. And it's certainly impacting, um, you know, the music products industry. So Amazon Prime's winning. Influencers are winning. You know, what's interesting, influencers, we talk about influencer marketing. I did a couple shows on it. Um, go back and check those out if you want to see. But this is really interesting. According to a, a, a June 2017 study of influencers on Instagram from News Whip, paid posts made by influencers dwarfed engagement levels of own posts made by the brands themselves. For example, JetBlue averaged uh, 2,363 engagements in June on its own post, while the influencer posts garnered an average of 241,226 engagements. That was more than 100 times the engagement levels from the brand's own posts. Influencers working for Wendy's also saw a similar gap between engagement levels garnered by influencer posts and those generated by the company itself. The difference was just as staggering for smaller brands as well. Logistics company Postmates averaged far fewer than 1,000 engagements post in June, while influencer posts garnered an average of 27,000 engagements. Really, really interesting. Um, you know, uh, the e-marketer analyst uh, Nicole Perrin says that consumers have always been more likely to engage with other consumers than with brands. Social media has brought that to the forefront of digital. Now, this is a, this is a good... Um, uh, thing for all of you marketers out there to know is that, um, you know, no matter how cool your brand is, uh, there is a level of kind of distrust, which we talked about in the uh, PR, what is PR segment going in, right? There's a level of distrust when a company's talking, people assume you're lying. They assume that, that you're lying or exaggerating. Lying may be too strong. You're exaggerating. You're full of it. You're full of your own stuff. You don't see, you know, you're, and, and everything is, is rosy and everything is marketing language and, and beautiful and, and, you know, puppies with every little bit of fur in the right place and everything, you know, but the truth is, is that, you know, the puppies aren't like that, that puppies get messy and their, their fur's all messed up all the time. And, and, you know, I mean, that's the real world, right? And they feel like they get a little bit more of the real world from some of these influencers, ironical because the influences are paid by who ladies and gentlemen of the jury that is right they're paid by the brands to do something so that'll be interesting to see i wonder if people uh, i wonder if people actually know that some of the influencers are paid especially on instagram is where it's a little bit tougher to tell oh you know the ftc is gonna be looking at that ftc your friend in theirs but we're gonna put um influencers in the um, winning category for right now, certainly. Um, and obviously you should be looking at influencers as part of your marketing strategy, um, especially if you're looking for all that important engagement on social media. Um, there is a, a, a survey came out about the um, most and least trusted brands in news. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, first of all, the survey came from my alma mater, University of Missouri, Columbia, Woo, school of journalism. That's what I'm talking about. And, um, it was really, really interesting to me that, um, you know, uh, about 67% of people who replied consider themselves likely or very likely to trust the news, which means that 33% of them are unlikely or very unlikely to trust the news. Now, you always see these, these numbers really start to change when you introduce the idea of political news in here. For our purposes, you know, for our most of our PR marketing purposes, we're not dealing with political topics. We're not dealing with political news and those kind of things. So we're just we're we're just along for the ride. Some of these, you know, uh, trusted sources. You want to know who's really winning? 
Highest scoring trusted sources were The Economist, Public Television, and Reuters, while the least trusted sources were Occupy Democrats, BuzzFeed, and Breitbart. Now, BuzzFeed's interesting because a lot of people come to me and say, Scott, how can we get on BuzzFeed? How can we get on BuzzFeed? Well, if a client's asking you to get on BuzzFeed and you see a study that comes out that says that no one trusts BuzzFeed, is it wise for you to recommend or allow them to continue to get on a media outlet that you are that you know because of data is not trusted? The answer to that is no, right? And now we're back to the strategy part of PR that we talked about in the in the first part. That's how you know, right? When um, when you get data like that, you bring that to your client and go. Maybe we shouldn't be on BuzzFeed. Oh, why, Scott? They've got a billion unique visitors. You're like, yeah, but they're one of the least trusted sources right next to Occupy Democrats, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, let's be, and Breitbart. You know, I mean, do we really want, here's how I would say it to my client. Do we want our message in the same, you know, strata of media as Breitbart and Occupy Democrats? And the answer to that is not just no, but it's hell no. And so, and it's appropriate to add the hell. Very, very important. So, Anyway, but The Economist is interesting, right? I find The Economist just thick, man. I mean, it's just like The Economist is like a cure for insomnia. If you, if you can't sleep at night, you should read something from The Economist. It will knock you the hell out by like the end of the first page because there's some thick stuff in there. I don't know. That's just, uh, I'm a bass player. What can I tell you? Instagram's winning. They're finding a, a way to uh, invite li- friends to join live videos, which is kind of interesting. People that are feeling lonely while live streaming via Instagram Live, you can invite your friends to join you. This is kind of fascinating. The, the tech behind it is fascinating of how they could possibly do it, especially um, live from a lot of different sources. But this is really, really interesting. You know, Instagram's looking for ways to, you know, how can it distance itself from Snapchat and how can it be... Um, you know, how is it going to be its own thing? It's not going to be a Facebook thing. How's it not going to be a Snapchat? Everybody's kind of morphing the same features. So, you know, how can it, uh, you know, and this Instagram live thing is really kind of interesting. This is definitely one to watch. If you, um, if Instagram's in your strategy, you need to watch this closely. Adweek's been reporting on it. So, so stick close to Adweek and you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, um, Netflix is losing because Disney announced this week that it's going to start its own streaming service and pull all of its content. And baby, when Disney's going to pull all of its content, that's a hell of a lot of content, right? Don't forget that Disney owns what? Everything. Oh my God. They own, I mean, they own almost every franchise that, you know, that geeks like to geek out and watch, you know? The Marvel franchise, you know, the um, Star Wars franchise, you know, all, of course, the straight up Disney characters, all the Pixar stuff, all some of the the best things in entertainment, the things that are most likely to be kind of your blockbuster big stuff is, of course, Disney and ruthless CEO Mickey Mouse, um, you know, sitting there going, um, well, we should start our own streaming service. Screw Netflix. Screw them. Screw them. You know, you can almost see him do it, honestly. So. Disney's out of there and uh, starting its own streaming service. Now, here's the thing. Netflix was, was um, you know, Netflix is, is great because it's like a one-stop shop, right, with all this kind of stuff. If the content owners start fragmenting this, this stuff out, um, are people really going to download these other streaming services or is this going to benefit people like iTunes, who says, you know, just buy your, your, all your movies here and you can, it's a one, you know, Apple always wins by making stuff simple. 
right? People don't want complicated. They don't want another login. They don't want, they don't want these other things, you know, and Disney should pay attention to what people want. That turns out to be a really important thing, but Netflix is losing right now. You know, um, who else is losing? Uh, man, so many things. I, we should talk about everybody getting ready to lose with chat bots. Uh, a lot of marketers, w one of the scariest trends that I see is that people are, are marketers are starting to believe that, you know, chat box or chat bots are a solution to marketing. They are not, they are not a solution. They are not, but there are seven brands out there that are starting to use, use these things. Um, and some of the people may surprise you. So here are the brands that are already using chatbots for marketing. National Geographic's Genius is doing that. Um, and this is these artificial intelligence-based kind of chatbots. Kind of interesting. Whole Foods is starting to use it. Who owns Whole Foods? Amazon.com. Thank you. That is correct. So that should be interesting. That means Amazon's got their, uh, you know, paws in it. Uh, Erie which looks like they sell lingerie online and, and other kinds of, with a predominantly millennial and Gen Z target audience. They have a lingerie and apparel retailer. Airy was quick to adopt bots in their marketing approach. HarperCollins, Marvel's Spider-Man, another Disney reference flying in there. Starbucks. So basically, what is it? What is a chatbot, Scott? So you, you go in there and you say, can I get a triple tall latte, please? And then the chatbot bounces back and says, here's what I have for your order. It will be ready within four to nine minutes at the lobby. The total cost is this, ready to place the order now, that kind of thing. But then some of them are getting a little clever and they've got, you know, kind of a little bit more of a, you know, uh, language. And these are starting to, you know, they're starting to work, do like machine language learning to learn these kind of things. You know, I don't, remember we talked about people don't want to engage with brands. No, whatever the engagement level is with brands, my guess is the engagement level with bots is about a third of that. So if it's crappy with the brand, then if you drop it down and it's not even a real person, then it's going to be like really bad, really bad. So we're all losing with the bots. You are tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader on music biz talk. Come on back and we're going to give you some PR tips. Now that you know what it is, and I'm going to show you how to rock it. I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release, and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. Make this your vinyl night. I'm John J.R. Robinson, and every week, music creation comes alive through stories, experiences, and sounds when vinyl records filled our hearts and minds. My friends and I share our tips and techniques used in creation of iconic tracks for recording artists such as Michael Jackson, Eric Clapton, Quincy Jones, and Steve Winwood, to name a few. 
Vinyl has emerged hot, and the soul of vinyl defines art and passion, which burns deepest at night. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on entertalkradio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody. You are still tuned, man, you're smart, to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. I am Scott. We just went through a whole litany of people who are winning and losing this week, companies winning and losing. Cedric's here with me, logging in from um, Miramar Air Force Base at Intertalk HQ, the Justice League of America headquarters at Miramar Air Force Base. And uh, what'd you think about winning and losing this week, Cedric? Man, I think the two that stuck out to me was Disney. Disney pulling out all of his content. Because at first when I heard the news, I was just like, yeah, okay, they're going to take out all of their Disney Channel movies. And then I was like, wait, Pirates of the Caribbean is Disney. Yeah. All of Marvel is Disney. So you're right. They have an extensive catalog. That's a disaster. If you're Netflix, sure. yeah, if you're Netflix, you are not, um, you are taking some extra Pepto-Bismol uh, for, you know, for, for that. Netflix has some great stuff. There's some great original content, but there's no doubt about the fact that, you know, having all that Disney content oh, yeah. was, was, a, was a big value proposition for them. And oh, now yeah. they lost it. The kids want to watch Moana and Frozen like 20 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think people are going to flock to this new Disney um, thing? If it's, if, it's, if it's just Disney, if you have to get a username and password for this dumb thing and you have to, and, and another username and password and you have to pay Disney $9.99 a month, whatever, for Disney streaming content, do you think people are going to do that or are they just going to punt back to Amazon Video and, uh, and iTunes and stuff? Uh, other places they can get it. Nah, I think I think it's tough. I think nowadays we are so used to not owning our stuff. Like music, people don't own their music anymore. They just stream it off services for the most part, right? That's true. Um, I, I see the same with video, and video even more so because of the storage space that it demands. Yeah, so, yeah. So you, so you think the Disney thing, uh, you think the mouse has got a chance with its own streaming service? I think if the mouse puts it at the at a good price point, but knowing Disney, they won't. <laughs> how do you how do you know that cedric i don't know you know <laughs> well gosh mickey i think we should price it at 9.99 kiss my butt yeah Goofy. no that that sounds more like what disney would do but if it was around like 7.99 i can see a bunch mm-hmm. of people just saying you know what it's a netflix extension for all i care you make one login you yeah log in yeah once, you just auto save everything because you know, everyone does it. You know you shouldn't, but everyone does it. You have to. You have you have eighteen thousand passwords, and yep. no human being has the capacity to retain them all. Nope. You know, and you can't use the same password for everything. That's very dangerous. Yep. Well, 
That's what, who's winning and losing. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, this whole episode is episode 62, and we've been talking about what PR isn't. Um, and so now I'm going to switch to segment three, as I always try to do, and leave you guys with some tips. Um, we talked about what it isn't, and everybody's really clear on that, right? If you're not, go back and listen to that. Please, please, please listen to that. Make sure you know what it isn't. Good God. And then um, for now, let's dig into kind of some PR tips now that you know what it is. Uh, now, what is it again? Public relations is a strategic communication process that builds mutually beneficial relationships between organization and their audiences slash publics. We talked about publics being plural, right? And all that thing, public relations, right? So you've got relationship built into that definition and you've got publics. So now you understand that PR, public relations, is about relationships with the publics. Okay? Right? Right? It's about that. So now we know it. Knowing that, Tip number one, understand who you want to build a relationship with and why. Uh, almost no PR plans that I see from other folks start with this. They start with, they jump five steps down and they say, we want to be in the Hollywood Reporter. How do we get in the Hollywood Reporter? And then I bounce back to them and I'm like, why do you want to be in the Hollywood Reporter? Oh, because um, it'll be great. It'll be, you know, it'll be awesome. We'll be really excited to be in the Hollywood Reporter or whatever. And I'm like, why? Why? What's it going to do? What's the plan? Remember the strategic part? All of those questions are the strategic part right there. Don't start your PR plan out with, um, you know, uh, outcomes like that because those aren't your outcomes. You know, uh, I don't care about any individual PR placement that I get. What I care about is what the relationships, right? Uh, and understanding who you want to build that relationship with and why is really, really important. Now we're far beyond buying drinks for people at a, at a bar, right? And swiping the visa card and saying, would you write my story, please, Mr. Reporter? We don't care about one little ping. We don't care about one little story. We don't care about one little thing because what do we care about? We care about relationships. We care about why we're doing stuff, right? Very, very, very important distinction to understand that. Spend some time on that. You know, Companies don't spend enough time with, well, well, why do you want this customer? What if they're a-holes? What if you don't, I mean, what if you actually don't want them? What if they're actually not the right customer to build your business? You know, um, I push back on my clients all the time. You know, when they say they want something, I say, let's talk about why. Let's talk about why. Let's talk, you know, because maybe there's a good reason why, and maybe it's not a good reason why, and it's my job um, it's whoever's doing PR's job to make sure that we are flagging that stuff up, right? Very, very important. Tip number two, study them. Um, if you know who you want to build a relationship with, let's say you wanna, you're a music products company and you want to build a relationship with musicians. You want to build a relationship with, mu with, uh, with musicians who are between the ages of, uh, let's say, 18 and 60. You know, anybody who plays, musical, or plays a musical instrument, you know, between 18 and 60 then you want to study them. You want to know everything that there is to know about them. You want to know where the, where the marketing personas are, you know, where the, you know, where are the personas, you know, do we have some, some parents in there that are still trying to find a way to play music, even though they've got young kids, you know, do we have some, uh, you know, some kids in that demographic that are, uh, you know, you know, trying to make a living at this thing that are just, you know, enjoying it because it, you know, music means so much to them, you know, study them study them. Again, this is really, really important stuff. Um, 
you know, research is always key to any good PR. Um, you look at all those Silver Anvil winning programs. And by the way, you can look at them on the PRSA website. You can look at those programs. You know what they have in common? They um, have a tremendous amount of research about what it is they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it. They almost read like, um, uh, Silver Anvil proposals almost read like um, scientific experiments. Um, and when you think about it, you know, public relations is a bit of a scientific experiment, but that research piece is really, really important. I know so many companies that rip themselves to market and they've got no research behind it. They've got what a couple of people in the company believe to be true, untested, and then they think that that is enough research. It is not enough research. You must study the animals that you're trying to reach, you know, if you're going after puppies, then you better know everything there is to know about puppies. If you're going after monkeys, you better know everything there is going about monkeys. And if you're going after human beings and musicians, you better know everything there is to know about them. You know, you can't know too much. Very, very important. Then we want to create a strategic plan to reach that audience, right? And, and notice, I haven't said anything yet. I haven't said anything yet about getting in the Hollywood Reporter. You know, you know, we've gone through three of my tips and I haven't said anything at all about uh, buying drinks for a reporter at the bar and getting a story placed, right? That's how PR is really done, is that there is a strategic plan in order to reach our audience. And the strategic plan includes some of the things we've already done. You know, it includes the research part that we've already done, all of our data. You know, your data can really, really turn your program on its ear. It really can. I mean, you can find out some, uh, some wild things and then say, I think we can, you know, maybe we're going to serve this part of the audience in a way that maybe you identify an opportunity, you know, one of those blue ocean strategy moments where you're like, hey, uh, you know, we're like Nintendo when they introduced the, the Wii. Everybody was like um, the other uh, video game companies you know, we're, we're basically saying, you know, Sony was saying, uh, well, let's do higher graphics, higher level graphics and more, you know, powerful video games and, and a stronger gaming engine and all these kind of things. And, and Microsoft was saying with the Xbox, yeah, let's do that. You know, higher graphics and graphics, graphics, graphics. And Nintendo said, I don't think so. Let's go with, um, lesser graphics, but with the ability to get up off your butt and move, and have some mobility to this thing. And then let's not market it to those hardcore graphics people because Sony and Microsoft are going to kick our butts in that area anyway. But we noticed there's a percentage of all these people that don't want to play all these violent video games that want to bowl, that want to play golf, that want to do some other things, but they'd love to get off their butt to do it. So, um, you know, what can we do? They found this um, area of the ocean that they could own, you know, sort of the blue ocean strategy from the, from the book of the same name. And they, um, they owned it. They were able to own it. And they were able to create something entirely different. That comes from research. That comes from paying attention. And that comes from having the courage to do something differently than your competitors. Um, you know, uh, and by the way, you want yourself to, to study up on blue ocean strategy. Um, it's really, really interesting research. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, methodology behind it and, and the way that companies do it and, and, and those kind of things. But sometimes you need in your companies, you need a little bit of a, um, you know, a break from you know, the arms race of trying to beat your competitors at their game. 
And and Nintendo says, well, we're not going to beat anybody at 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 this game. We're just going to create our own game and pull our people into it. You know, uh, and, and we're going to create our own game based on what they have told us they want. Right. Again, that research piece. So, again, on tip number three, you will create a strategic plan to reach them. This is how we're going to reach them. This is, you know, this is what we think they like. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to promote it. This is what we're, we're going to do. This is what success looks like. You know, all that, all those kind of things, you know, kind of play into it. Strategic plan. Strategic plan. Don't rush to tactics. Don't rush to tactics. Don't call up a PR agency and say, um, you know, we, we've, we've got a press release. You know, we've got a press release and we're going to get this out. Strategic plan to create mutually beneficial relationship between an organization and its audiences. Strategic plan to do this. Number four, always be thinking about them during the execution. Always be thinking about them during the execution. Do you know how you can tell, um, you know, you know, I get cold calls from people. I get people that, that call my business line all the time. You know, hey, you know, I always make jokes about the solar folks and whatever. But I, I get a lot of things. You know, hey, I just want to see if you re- want to refinance your house. I want to see if you're, you know, what are you guys doing for office equipment? You know, blah, 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 those kind of things. If you're an organization that is thinking about me, then you know that I am busy. And then you know that... I am going to find any ringing of my phone, which I answer because press might be calling me. You know what I'm saying, right? You know, it's good. It's important. I, I need to answer my business line. I need to have somebody answer my business line. You know what I mean? So it's really, really important if you're the marketing organization to think about them. There's far too little thought in this world that we live in about who we're inflicting our stuff onto on a regular basis. When you're doing your execution and we're flying to the stage where everybody likes, oh my God, we're finally talking to the freaking Hollywood reporter. Be still my heart. You know, we're finally, but be thinking about your audience during your execution, particularly if you're doing any kind of, there's any kind of, um, you know, uh, things directly that you're doing to the audience, you know, influencer marketing, you know, you know, any of these kind of things that fall under the, the label of, uh, of PR but always be thinking about them. And also the them can mean, you know, if you are working with these reporters, the best PR people I know are really good reporters assistants. You know, I mean, I have a big highfalutin title. I have a lot of years or whatever. I'm, I'm an editorial assistant. You know what? Because that's what helps my clients build mutually beneficial relationships between the organization that I'm working for and their publics and audiences. And you'll say, oh, Scott, don't you feel like you're too senior, a PR person, you know, to, to be running around and getting things to reporters? I do not. I do not feel that is that is correct. I am about that objective. And that objective requires us to help reporters out. You know, I mean, reporters don't get a lot of help, folks. You know, they call companies. They don't get called back. They contact PR people. The PR people don't call them back. The PR people don't send them the right stuff. They can't find any assets on online that they're trying to get. If you're a reporter trying to do that job, I mean, you'll want to drive. You 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 will you will drive yourself insane within the week. You know, until you unless you get a army of people like me. You know, who will help you get your job done. And there's just something cool about that. There's just something good. So when I say be thinking about them, I'm thinking about the audience, but I'm also thinking about those reporters too. You know, I've always found 
that, um, you know, a personal relationship with a reporter is fine and dandy, whatever. But what really impresses them is having the exact right story that they need at the exact right time to do their job and giving them all the pieces they need to do it so they can execute on probably what is an impossible deadline to execute, right? This is how great PR people separate themselves. Um, it's not about sending the same pitch to a thousand reporters and hoping that two of them bite. That's the same thing as calling a bunch of different businesses and hoping that two of them aren't completely pissed off at you at the end of it, okay? Be thinking about them. Think about them. Them, them, them. Empathy. Empathy, baby. Think about it. Very important. Tip number five. Measure, measure. Measure how you're doing with them and adjust accordingly. You know, I see so many PR programs that don't have a measurement component built into it. Or they measure, you know, um, they just measure like the value of the media coverage. And that's something. I mean, believe me, that is something, um, you know. But you always want to measure, you know, what is the status of our relationship with, with this audience that we're trying to get to, you know? Um, you know, when I used to work for NAM, you know, we had uh, an annual member survey and we used that to say, hey, how are we doing with the NAM members? Our most important audience, pretty much everything that NAM always does is about its members. So we need to do that. Associations, I think, are a little better doing that than sometimes companies are. Maybe because they have a, um, a little bit of a more hardened target. You know, so measure what you're doing with them and really adjust your program accordingly so that you're, you're building those mutually beneficial relationships. What have we learned today? You know, PR is a lot more than picking up the tab for journalists, and it's way more than having journalists as your friends, your good buddies, or whatever. It is strategic. It requires education, understanding of human psychology, and creativity to blow through all the garbage out there and actually reach your audiences. When it's done correctly, good PR brings trust and credibility to those relationships and allows companies to keep those relationships strong even during times of crisis. You know, Bill Gates said, if I was down to my last dollar, I'd spend it on PR. And the PR industry said, I'm sorry, dude, that's just not enough money. You know, I'm sorry. We just, we can't, we can't do anything for that. But thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. Rock on marketing fans. Until next week, this has been Scott Robertson, host of May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. I'm off to college with my son. I may come back. Talk to you later. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. Hi, this is Tim Dolbear from Eclectica Studios. I'm a full-time mixing and recording engineer. I work with Grammy winners, labels, and indie artists using state-of-the-art digital mixing and restoration tools and the very best in analog gear. Really though, it's my ability to bring tracks to life and fulfill your vision for your music. 
This has made me sought after by producers and artists worldwide. So spend your time working on music and not chasing a mix down a rabbit hole. Go to timdolbear.com and check out our free one song mix offer. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie's Groove.com. Ready to get your groove on?